and have a good weekend. That's Toby Lawson, who's the CEO of Societe Generale India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take our usual final look around Asian equity markets. In Australia, it's all flat with the SX200, but in Japan, stocks are surging ahead. The Nikkei 225 is up about one and a third percent. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is up about 1.6% right now, and looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 100 points at the open this morning. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil at $54.55 a barrel. Gold is trading at $1,917 an ounce and all quiet in the currency markets. Uh, the US dollar is at 103.8 against the Japanese yen. I'll be away next week. Richard Harris and Andrew Work will be filling in. Have a great weekend and stay tuned for Bat Chat next on Radio 3 with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. Let me give you an update uh, on the weather forecast. It's going to be uh, cloudy and uh, cold, sorry, and mainly cloudy. Very dry, sunny intervals during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be about 12 degrees. The outlook is the cold and dry weather will persist in the next few days and then become fine early next week. It's currently 9 degrees and 61% relative humidity. A number of warnings in place, the red fire danger warning, the cold weather warning and the strong monsoon signal are all in force. Coming up to 8.31 and a half, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. President-elect Joe Biden has blamed President Trump for the attempted insurrection on Capitol Hill on Wednesday. Mr. Biden said it was the culmination of four years of attacks on democracy, justice and the press. His comments come as leading Republicans distance themselves from Mr. Trump, including the vice president, Mike Pence. But the moderate Republican congressman, Dusty Johnson, said Mr. Trump wasn't the only person to blame. Both sides of the aisle, certainly on my side of the aisle, there are uh, many who have stoked this type of outrage, this type of anger for their own political benefit. I know in the aftermath of these kind of dramatic events, there can be a desire to try to find a single villain to place the blame on. But Donald Trump is not alone here. U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund has announced he'll resign. It was sought by the top Democrat in the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, after the federal force charged with protecting Congress was unable to keep the Trump supporters from storming the Capitol. Due to a signalling fault near University Station, East Rail Line trains are running at slower speeds from Typo Market Station to University Station. This could extend the total journey time on the line from Shengshui to Honghum by more than five minutes. The aircraft manufacturer Boeing has agreed to pay over $2.5 billion to settle criminal charges that it hid information from U.S. safety officials about the design of its 737 MAX planes. Two of the jetliners were involved in deadly crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia that killed nearly 350 people. Here's the BBC's Katie Silver. The Justice Department alleges that two pilots deliberately engaged in a cover-up and concealed information about how one of their safety systems functions. Now, to quote the Justice Department, they say that this conduct by employees was fraudulent and deceptive and that the company chose profit over candor, engaged in half-truths and a cover-up. Now, of this $2.5 billion settlement charge, about $1.8 billion will be going to airlines themselves, as well as about a half a billion dollar fund to compensate the family members involved. The world has a new richest person, Elon Musk. The boss of the American car maker Tesla is reported to have eclipsed the fortune of the Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Here's the BBC's Roy Kathleen Jones. Only a few years ago, many were predicting that Tesla might run out of money. Even its founder, Elon Musk, revealed recently that it had been a month from going bankrupt. 
But in the last year, shares in the electric car maker have risen more than sevenfold, making it worth more than Toyota, VW, and a clutch of other leading manufacturers combined. That means that Elon Musk, who also founded the SpaceX rocket business, is now worth 136 billion pounds, surpassing Amazon's Jeff Bezos as the world's richest person. Both men have benefited from the boom in technology shares in the last year. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning and happy New Year. Happy New Year. Today, Hong Kong's new political landscape and the latest from the United States. It seems that the pan-democratic camp, the most popular in Hong Kong, will be completely wiped out. So, will there be any new opposition? What part will the DAB, FTU, and the new Bauhinia Party play in the future political culture? What happens to the supporters of the pandems? How will the new Hong Kong work politically? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. Uh, you can email us backchat at rthk.hk or call us on two three three eight eight two six six. And then after nine, we're going to be talking about American politics, as I say, discussing the latest situation there as Congress finalises Joe Biden's victory. And we'll be talking to uh, views from uh, different sides uh, and an observer uh, actually in the United States. So once again, backchat at rthk.hk is our email address uh, for comment. Uh, we've got a lot of emails. Uh, of course, uh, I've have to. I'm afraid uh, uh, edit many of them uh, for length. Um, thanks very much, but it's just to uh, give everyone uh, a chance to uh, uh, air their views. As I say, I do have to cut some of them down. I uh, hope I'll, I don't misrepresent uh, what you say. Um, and uh, just before we get to those and our guests, we're going to be talking between now and nine o'clock with uh, Emily Lau and uh, with uh, Ho Lok Sang. Uh, just uh, a, a couple of questions that were on my mind um, that I wanted to put to uh, Danny. Uh, Danny, so Danny's a is a legal academic, but I, he's not a criminal lawyer. Not <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who know more criminal law than me, so uh, please do call in if I, uh, you have anything to add. But I did have a kind of couple of things going around my head, and I, and I hope I think perhaps other people have as well, and perhaps you could clarify a little bit, Danny. That the, there were a few things. The first thing was this with this, this question of um, when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the uh, being released without charge. Uh, but being on bail, what does that mean? Does that mean that they've dropped the charges or, or what? No, it means they're, they're still investigating. I mean, police can only hold, if you go, you have, you have to do the years, police can only hold um, suspects for a relatively short time without charge. So they either have to bring them before the court and charge them or they have to release them. But of course, um, you're normally released on conditions, although it's, that's not always the case. Sometimes people are just released without conditions and those conditions are bail. Draw a distinction between this type of bail and the bail that's granted by courts once you're brought before a court. Now, that type of bail is now caught by the national security law. What a lot of people didn't realise, including myself at the beginning, is the national security law doesn't apply to the police bail when you're released. So you, you still get released as normal if you've been charged under the national security law by the police. But when you go before the court, it then becomes much more difficult. Uh, my understanding is that you might arrest someone without charges... Uh, in this way, if like they were involved in a disturbance or something like that, as a kind of an emergency measure, but w why would you arrest fifty people and then not know what to charge them with, or 
or not not have decided what to charge them with. It is very strange, very strange, and the sort of mass indiscriminate arrest of everybody who'd taken part in the primary without any sort of any distinction of um, those who perhaps signed up to certain pledges and others hadn't. Um, but still, it has to be said that uh, police do arrest people under all kinds of circumstances, not always in the heat of the moment. So you certainly could find other cases where this has happened. Mm. Okay. So the, the the other point, one of the other points, was the, the question of. Uh, uh, whether they have to be doing something uh, illegal first. This is something that Michael Tin had, had raised and was discussed in Backchat yesterday. You can see stories ab- about this, and I, I understand this kind of difference of opinion between between different people about about this. Can you explain what the what the relevance is that? Is this to do with the national security legislation? It and is subversion? indeed. Uh, we noticed this when the national security uh, legislation was published that there is a significant difference in the wording between the provision on succession, um, which says that it is a crime to just peacefully advocate, for example, for Hong Kong independence and subversion, and subversion saying that there must be either force, threat of force, or other unlawful means. In other words, you must have either used force or it's threat, or there's some other crime accompanying it. You can't just be prosecuted for subversion in itself. Therefore, you would have to show that the, these people who've been arrested have done something else unlawful in the course of um, uh, subversive activities. Now, of course, that could be something relatively minor. It might be, be an unlawful protest. Um, I'm wondering, I don't know, but could even conceivably be a breach of coronavirus regulations. That's an unlawful offence, but there's got to be something underneath it. Could, could the, uh, could the uh, primaries in themselves be that unlawful act? Well, I, well, I mean, the gathering... The gathering for the primaries, I suppose, I mean, it's stretching, I suppose it again, right, OK, under um, <clears throat> regulations restricting public gatherings okay. at the time, possibly. That's the only thing I can think of. We, we're struggling, and that's why, I mean, and that's why so many people have come out and questioned the legal basis for these arrests. It has to be said in many statements by mainland officials and even by Kerry Lam, they don't seem to draw this distinction. They don't seem to think that, uh, or at least to, to make any acknowledgement that there has to be an underlying criminal offence. So it may be that that wasn't the intention when they wrote the law, but that's the way the wording is at the moment. Because Michael Tim was even suggesting it seemed to be an oversight or something. The, the, the other it point does, was... I mean, especially yeah. the difference wording in succession suggests perhaps that there was some difference of opinion when the law... We don't know the process by which the law was written, but it is very curious that this offence should be worded differently from succession. OK, and sort of half a question is about the, about the participation. If, if, if 600,000 people took part in, this, in, in the primary election, are they, would they be guilty? Well, I mean, it depends. They've if, said if, they won't be charged, but uh, <laughs> are they guilty anyway? Lots of people will break the law and don't get charged. Mm, so, I mean, that's, sure. a, that's, a, that's a separate issue. But, I mean, if, it's a big if, if the primary itself was unlawful or is deemed to be unlawful, then I, I don't see how you can avoid the conclusion that that applies to everybody who participated. And, in fact, the national security law specifically deals with that. It talks about active participants and it talks about other participants. And ordinary people participating would, would presumably be other participants uh, with much shorter prison sentences or doesn't even have to be prison sentences. It can be uh, uh, various other forms of punishment, uh, more minor punishment, but nonetheless an offence. Mm. OK, thank you very much indeed for clearing those things up, Danny. Uh, OK, just a few more, a few uh, emails. OK, Peter says, uh, the intro to today's topic is misleading, stating it seems the pan-democratic camp, the most popular in Hong Kong, will be completely wiped out, unquote. It's an attempt to shape public opinion, portraying the pan-democrats as victims and saints who can do no wrong and that they are above the law, while in fact most of the pandems did everything they could to self-destroy by implementing their anti-China scorched-earth policy, opposing and filibustering government proposals, supporting violent anti-government protests and riots, openly petitioning foreign governments to implement sanctions against Hong Kong, subverting 
fighting the Hong Kong government in state. In short, acting according to the popular protest slogan, if we burn, if you, uh, if we burn, you burn with us. Uh, that's uh, from uh, Peter. Uh, honestly, Peter, that was not my intention. I tried to use the most neutral language I could when I was describing the future political landscape. Can and a, cu- a couple more emails uh, on a similar topic. Uh, one says in an email titled, No one is above the law in Hong Kong. With regard to the outrage over the arrest of 53 individuals on Wednesday with a focus on the US lawyer, Mr Clancy, I'd like to think that no one is above the law in Hong Kong. No politician, lawyer, political candidate or foreign resident is above the law. These individuals from the opposition camp who've been arrested won't like to learn that after having abused their freedom by pushing and pushing the boundaries of the law and gotten used to not having to bear responsibility for their action, they are finally facing legal consequences. It's outright racist of the Western media and some RTHK guests to focus on the US passport holder, Mr Clancy, giving the impression that foreigners should be shielded from possible legal consequences of their actions. For instance, the crimes ordinance or the national security law are universal in their application to all persons within Hong Kong's jurisdiction. There are no privileges to anyone based on any differences of race or nationality. They're entitled to the right to equal protection of the law, due process and no more. Equal justice has been applied in Hong Kong and no foreign nationals are immune from prosecution if they are suspected of having committed crimes under the Crimes Ordinance or the National Security Law. Uh, One more for the moment. Uh, Martin says, Last year the Pan-Democrats announced many times during press conferences that once they are elected they will oppose any Hong Kong government initiative with the aim to completely paralyse the government and make Hong Kong ungovernable. Benny Tai, who last year organised illegal primaries, delivered the blueprint for the pandems, published as his 10-point master plan in Apple Daily, which was a de facto plan to overthrow the Hong Kong SAR government and triggering a crackdown by the central authorities, which then should be followed by international sanctions against China and Hong Kong. Perhaps Michael Davis, who was a guest on Backchat earlier, can name any Western government who would accept this. The pandems always believe they are more equal than others. Laws and rules don't apply to them except when it suits them. Rights of others don't count. But as the great Western philosopher Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, thank you very much, Martin. Emily Lau, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Can you imagine uh, a Hong Kong political landscape without the pan-democratic camp? Uh, what would it look like? How would it work? I, I can't imagine, and I don't think it will happen, so let's not waste time. Uh, well, it seems very likely that it will, uh, frankly, uh, because it seems that most of the uh, pan-democratic camp are being charged or will not be allowed to stand. And we're already seeing some uh, pan-democratic civic groups uh, disbanding. Well, I guess I can't represent all of them, but as, as far as I know, I'm no longer in the leadership of mm. my party, but as far as I know, uh, my party is uh, very, very intact and uh, really determined and uh, high morale. So uh, <laughs> at least, high- as far as my party is concerned, we are going to search forward. Uh, high- uh, you may be right in saying some people may be disqualified and uh, will not be allowed to stand for elections. Well, I hope that won't happen in a very unreasonable way. But if that could happen, others will come forward. And let's see how many can they disqualify. Why did you say high morale? I mean, well, I'm, I'm not saying I mean, it is a fact. Our members, you should talk to them. 
you should talk to our new chair, members of the central committee, and all the district councillors and others. I mean, they are very determined. But, uh, uh, they are not demoralised. They are not saying, oh, I'm going to quit. I'm going to, you know, go underground. I will not say anything. No way. I don't know. I saw your new chair on social media this week saying that he couldn't bear to look at any more news because it was so dreadful. I mean, that doesn't yeah, strike well, <laughs> me as someone who's in high morale, does it? Well, I think he was a bit emotional. But I, I saw him on other occasions, and he, he, he's very determined. And also, we do not have any massive or any resignations of members or of you know people who hold public office. So what I'm saying is, the party is intact. We know we face grave difficulties, but all that has been in anticipated. And so we're going to fight, but we're not alone. We will fight with many Hong Kong people. I think, it's, I think any observer would say it's very, very likely that members of the pandemic camp will not be allowed to stand for, for, for public office, that there will be requirements. Uh, and we've already seen this. We've, we've seen um, uh, legislators... Uh, who've been removed from office and others who have not been allowed to stand. I think it's very unlikely that the pandemic camp will be, will be given public office. So anybody who comes out and say, I'm standing uh, on behalf of the Democratic Party, uh, although that person may not have any other track record, and that person would be disqualified just because he's standing for that party. Is that what you're saying? Well, some people have discussed that as a, as a possibility. That, uh... I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, well, let's wait and see. And we will try. That's the thing. Okay, you disqualify A, we have B, and then we have C. And that's the Hong Kong spirit. You, you say you haven't had resignations from the Democratic Party. Maybe the Democratic Party's uh, more resilient. The, the Civic Party, they definitely, they've had district councillors resigning and there's been open discussion about whether the party itself should wind itself up. So, isn't I don't know. I don't represent them. I, don't I, I know. know. I'm just talking about my party. We're, we're talking I just about report the... to you, my <laughs> party. OK, I'm talking about the pandemic camp as a whole. And, of course, no Civic Party uh, candidate was allowed in the uh, last election, which didn't happen. Yes. I, I mean, my point is that even if uh, you're intact, you look at the broader pan-democratic pan bloc, isn't, isn't it possible that um, not everybody's as resilient as you say the Democratic Party is? Of course it's possible, but I'm sure there are others uh, who have not yet been arrested or serviced who are also resilient that you haven't seen. So what my message is, don't sell us short. There is this very vibrant spirit within not just the pro-democracy camp, but amongst the Hong Kong people who just say that we will keep coming back. Don't, don't, don't say we are finished. Okay. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, the, um, Professor John Burns put it yesterday in, uh, when we were talking to him. He said that uh, it's the intention of the central government to effect a wholesale change of the political culture of Hong Kong. That sounds fair enough to me. Um, isn't that what's going on? Is that a different way well, of expressing it? Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, Professor Burns is right, and Beijing will try to do it. And now that's why we've seen the emergence of the Bohemian Party. Mm, yeah. But uh, strangely enough, for a political party, they have not yet uh, publicly engaged with the many sectors, uh, particularly the news media. I hope they will come out and say more and tell us their plans. And if we are a multi-party uh, system, democracy, of course we are not, uh, I think parties should be allowed to emerge and they should tell us 
how they're going to operate and how they're going to win the votes of the Hong Kong people. And uh, my, my, my feeling is, uh, I don't think too many Hong Kong people will vote for such a new party because it doesn't have any track record and it, it seems to be coming from Beijing and so on. But anyway, they can come out and let us all compete. And I think my members, and I hope my members, will compete in a very intelligent, but also in a very dignified way. That's the Hong Kong political scene. We are not, we have never said we're fighting for independence or the overthrow of Kerry Lam or of Beijing. We just want the authorities here and in Beijing to honor the promises of the final British Joint Declaration, which everybody said had been torn up, okay. and the basic law. Okay. That's what we have been doing all this time. So I don't see why that's wrong. Okay. Um, just a quick uh, note from, uh, this is from uh, policeman Toby, uh, who says, do you want to read it, Danny? Have you got it? There? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, following up on what I said about arrest, um, Toby clarifying for clarity, arrest, that's a re police arrest when they have a reasonable suspicion a crime has been committed. It does not necessarily mean the police have sufficient evidence to charge a suspect immediately. We have 48 hours to charge, release unconditionally, or on police bail for any offence. Given the nature of the offence, be it national security law or any other offence that will dictate whether a suspect is charged immediately or released on bail. Thank you very much, Toby. And that does reinforce that as far as police um, releasing suspects, national security law works pretty much like any other law. OK. Uh, Holok-san, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Let's put this in terms, yeah, that John Burns was talking about yesterday, about, about a wholesale change to the uh, political culture of uh, Hong Kong. Um, I, I would suggest that means no more pandems in public office. Um, that's the intention. Um, if, if that happens, um, how would that work? Um, where would the DAB uh, then be positioned? What would happen with this new Bauhinia party, uh, which seems to have the backing of uh, the liaison office um, uh, and so on, and the pro-business parties and everything? How would the landscape change? Well, first of all, I don't think that is going to be uh, the way forward. I think uh, the, the intention is just to ensure that whoever who participates in the a political process here in Hong Kong, whether um, um, running for the CE post or whether running for the electrical positions, um, they must not oppose Beijing regime, okay? They must not oppose the Beijing regime. And I think that is the, the central idea, you know, because uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the main concern of Beijing, as far as I can see, is just that we all have to work together for one end, uh, for, uh, for, the, for the purpose of serving the interests of Hong Kong people, the long-term interests of Hong Kong people, in the context of its being part of China, and it's uh, um, also a member in the uh, Greater Bay Area and so on. So, so we need to work for the interests of Hong Kong uh, with proper perspective. And uh, I actually very much welcome um, um, uh, um, Emily Lau's uh, point, you know, um, that uh, the Democratic Party is very resilient and vibrant and so on with high morale. And I think that's great. 
Uh, how I about think, uh, uh, this? How about civic society groups that are, are closing down? There's a report in South China Morning Post. Well, as long as uh, these are live, these are primarily local livelihood-based groups um, that um, uh, they they they're just fearful yeah, now. Yeah, livelihood-based. Uh, there's not. But they're closing uh, not, down. I mean, so, some, of, some of them participated in the primaries, and I'm not necessarily thinking about uh, the 35 exactly. plus, but on livelihood exactly. issues, that they've is been arrested I, and, the, and the, yes, they closed I, down now. I, I, I don't think they will end up, uh, they will end up being charged. Um, uh, they, it's still pretty um, frightening you know, they, if you're they, they arrested. They have the, to be there in order for them to be charged and in order for them to be convicted. And I don't think if they just participate in the primaries, uh, they they won't. That's quite extraordinary. I, I they, then I mean, they, they, they won't be convicted. That's so, even more worrying, isn't it? If, they, you, they, if they you're getting arbitrary arrests to intimidate. Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, uh, it's just that the police need to uh, make an investigation, and, and and they are looking at the whole uh, uh, movement and to to see who who has that kind of intention and so on. You know, because uh, as everybody knows, you know, Benetai has this very, very stupid call, you know, for, uh, for halting the operation of the electrical and then uh, uh, forcing the resignation of, of the CE and, uh, um, and so on. You know, it's, uh, uh, yeah. So why, why, why do you arrest people who didn't necessarily support, even support Benetai's call? And most primary candidates never endorse yeah, but why arrest him? I was not happy with that myself. But I suspect that uh, the uh, the police wanted to uh, uh, take, you know, uh, you know, to to assemble the, the the evidence, you know, and and they they need to uh, to um, uh, speak to all the different people who have a potential and who has. Uh, Potential doesn't mean that they necessarily do, you know, to uh, engage in this uh, subversive uh, act. And I think uh, uh, there are certainly some who uh, join the primary uh, election uh, in order uh, to participate in this uh, uh, um, uh, campaign, you know, to, to subvert the SAR government. Yeah, okay, I'm just trying to drag this into the future, at least in the last few minutes or something. Um, tell us about the Bauhinia party. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get the, the, the members on it. But um, So you've got this very high-profile uh, party uh, that have uh, come out uh, with the uh, CPPCC uh, people. Uh, they've spoken of having 250,000 members uh, and so on. What, what's your reading of that, Holok saying? Do you think that they are positioned, being positioned for a serious place in the future political landscape of uh, of Hong Kong? Well, my reading is that uh, some of those uh, uh, people are not happy with what's going on, uh, uh, um, even even with the DAP and, yeah. and so on. You know, they they're not happy uh, with, with 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 that. And does and, and do the, the liaison office agree with them? Sorry, does the liaison office are they behind them? Are they do they uh, they agree? I don't know. That, that I don't know, but uh, uh, the idea is that uh, there are some uh, uh, um, people who who um, have um, uh, their uh, concern about the future development of Hong Kong, and they think that they have the uh, ability 
and uh, got the, uh, the the background uh, in order to uh, to serve Hong Kong's interests. And and so everybody with that kind of mind can 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 inform a party in Hong Kong. You know, so so uh, I would welcome that too. You know, I I was very happy. I'm very happy with uh, Emily Lau's uh, position on, on, on this matter, and I, I'm very happy, you know, to, to see the emergence of a new, new, new party, you know, trying to serve Hong Kong's interests. Emily Lau, concerning? Yes. Well, I thank uh, Professor Ho, and I can assure you <laughs> that uh, most members of my party have not been uh, demoralized or intimidated, but, of course, we expect Hong Kong to be a place that has the rule of law. I mean, look at what the outgoing CJ said. And that people have personal safety and can enjoy the freedoms uh, that are stated in the basic law and in the international human rights covenant. And I hope that Professor Ho will help, help us to ensure that will happen. Okay. There's some uh, emails uh, briefly. Gloria says, Flight for what, Emily Lau? Is Hong Kong that bad in terms of freedom? I can't concur with those who think so, frankly. If you guys are determined to die with the SARG, I'm afraid you will be deemed to fail and end up spending years in prison. Uh, and uh, Alan says, arguing about legalities is pointless on the arrests. It was stated the intention to vote against the government in LegCo was the offence. Overthrowing the government is what an election is supposed to do. That this is allowed by the basic law is irrelevant and will be reinterpreted or nullified. The intention is to disqualify from office everyone who does not have allegiance to the CCP. And if there is ever an election again, it will be a million mainland voters added to the roll to make doubly sure of the result. That's from Alan. Thank you very much indeed to Emily Lau, former Democratic Party lawmaker. And uh, Ho Lok Sang uh, from uh, Lingnan University. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, American politics principally after the news at nine. Stick with us. The weather, cold and mainly cloudy. Very dry with sunny intervals during the day. Temperatures only up to about 12 degrees. There's a red fire danger warning. There's a cold weather warning and there's a strong monsoon signal. The latest reading is just nine Celsius at the moment and the relative humidity is at 61%. Back in three minutes. Say in many cases, the vaccine offered 100% protection against the virus. They've signed an agreement to help develop the vaccine in Brazil. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, back chat on a Friday, a busy Friday morning. Uh, we were busy talking, week, busy, yes. very busy week. We were talking about uh, uh, Hong Kong's new political landscape. Uh, in we're well, trying to talk about that in the first part of the uh, program. Don't they say a week is a long time in politics. They do. <laughs> Two days can be can be an eternity as well. We're turning to um, American politics uh, now uh, as we talk about uh, developments. As we've been as we've been hearing there in the uh, news, uh, President Trump has uh, acknowledged. Acknowledged uh, Joe Biden's victory uh, and uh, has said uh, Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated. Uh, this moment calls for healing and uh, reconciliation. He said he was outraged by individuals who participated in the violence at the Capitol, and he said those who break the law, broke the law uh, will pay. Um, still, uh, there are those who are who are attempting to uh, remove uh, the uh, president from uh, his position uh, even before that uh, transition uh, takes place. We're going to be talking about some of those uh, issues uh, in um, just a, a moment. Um, uh, a lot of emails. Uh, let's see. Um, 
Matthew says the back chat new listener cadre is sounding as overexcited and puffed up this morning as teenage red guards during the height of the Cultural Revolution. We know how that turned out. Um, and uh, Anthony says Americans have the. Well, let me, sorry, let me just go before we perhaps go back full into the American ones. Just a couple of uh, 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 emails on on other issues. I'd just like to uh, refer to briefly. Uh, CW says uh, DQ. Can we have some reassurance in this area of stupidity that those who took part in the 2020 uh, RTHK? Uh, Backchat Person of the Year will not be rounded up and arrested. They were only taking part in a long-standing, light-hearted competition organised by RTHK and not trying to undermine anyone or anything. The winner may have been a beacon of hope at best recognition of their achievements. And uh, Matthew says, Is it true that the RTHK's Director of Broadcasting ordered staff not to interview any of the 53 RSTs, or was it just a friendly reminder? And if it was just a friendly reminder, then what is Backchat's position uh, on this? Uh, well, uh, I can tell you that we haven't changed. We, we, we were given, a, a, a um, as you say, a friendly reminder from, the, from, from our boss, uh, basically just said, uh, be prudent and stick to the, uh, the same guidelines. Um, generally speaking, uh, it's considered inappropriate for media to publish or invite interviews with arrestees that might be linked to a pending case. So that's basically what the policy has always been, and it's remaining the same. Yeah, so it hasn't applied before to such a num large number of people who uh, might be backchat guests, yeah. but uh, that's a, perhaps a reflection of the changing times. Yeah. Uh, whether How that applies to people if there are no charges pending... Yeah, well, you don't, don't know. know. <laughs> you do, of course, and you don't know when uh, those um, charges can be brought at uh, sort of any, pretty much any time. Mm. You don't know when that would be the case. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, Derek says, uh, comparing the US and Hong Kong political situations, I'm assured the US situation will get better. Mike says, when the representative, this, he was uh, on the phone yesterday, Mike says, when the representative from Republicans abroad tried to correct your fake reporting that courts have seen evidence and ruled on that evidence, you dismiss it and try to talk over him. So what is your problem? You mentioned Bill Barr's comments and the FBI haven't seen anything fraudulent. Wrong again. Bill Barr stated that he, quote, hadn't been presented, unquote. Question, after one year of having Hunter Biden's laptop doing nothing about it, do you still trust the FBI? I have never presented untruthful facts to open line or back chat my views and or facts are often not popular but if something isn't proven or in doubt i will state you should know this by now even after calling your department's reading of incorrect covid news i either knew more contagious strain not as your readers stated the more virulent strain i corrected your reporting your reply when asked we're asking an expert these terms are used interchangeably right wrong again still no correction i ask again what's the problem put a two minute time limit on my calls or don't accept them but to invite me on and talk over me if i say anything that doesn't fit your narrative is exactly what's wrong with mainstream media so you are in good company fair and balanced take the marbles out of your mouth and read this and i'll believe it the meaning is you often mumble through messages so fast the content is lost in the muffled pronunciation Andrew K says, perhaps it should be pointed out that people who tune into people that people tune into Backchat to hear the views of others and express their own opinions, not to hear the views of Mr. Chiverton and his co-hosts. I will not be tuning in again, says Andrew. And then half an hour later, another message from Andrew. Uh, Events in Washington. Anyone fail to notice the double standards of Americans? Anthony S says, what an eventful week. Uh, what will President Trump do in the next 14 days? Will he pardon? 
Biden himself and his whole family? Will he sign as many executive orders as possible? Anthony says Americans have the right to protest and why the police arrested 52 protesters just like the Hong Kong police arrested 53 organisers of preliminary elections. Does the US government allow any preliminary election that aims to subvert the US government? Uh, and uh, Vic says, Dear Backchat, the USA saw what's happening in the USA. The USA would invade USA to liberate USA from the tyranny of USA. Hail Tantrum Trump. That comes <laughs> from Vic. Thank you, one and all. Joining us for the uh, second half of the show, we have Andrew Blassi, who's a director with Kroll and Mooring International, uh, Ross Feingold, business development director at SafePro Group, and uh, in our Queensway studio, Chris Exline, uh, former chair of Republicans Abroad. Uh, good morning, or in the case of um, Mr. Blassi, you're in Washington, aren't you? Uh, go, let's go to you first, Mr. Blassi. Uh, good, good evening. Good morning. Thank you for having <laughs> me back on the program. Uh, what's, you're in Washington, right? What's the, what's the mood there now? Yeah, I'm actually calling into you from my home, which is less than a mile from the Capitol building. So calling right, right from the source of all the action this week. Um, no, it's, it's great to be back with all of you and, and to you know be able to talk to, to listeners in Hong Kong. Um, I'd like to start, if that's all right with both of you, you know, with some observations that bring to you bring us back to the, when the last time I was on your program uh, in November, and you might remember. At that time, during my last appearance, I talked about how it was going to be important that the president and the Republican Party in the United States to be very careful about posturing themselves to delegitimize urban voters from the November election. So Hugh will remember that. We were talking about that uh, towards the end of November, especially in a place like Georgia, ahead of this week's Senate runoff elections, which was a major story this week that, of course, was eclipsed by the events uh, on the Capitol. But it's important that we not forget that, because I think that's linked here in some senses, especially when we're talking about the political landscape in the United States. The posture of the president really, in, in many ways, backfired in places uh, with these Senate runoff elections in Georgia, in places like Atlanta, Columbus, Augusta, Savannah, Georgia's biggest cities, where the Democratic candidates, Warnock and Ossoff, they outperformed Joe Biden's percentages in those urban centers, right? Which, for those uh, who are listening who follow American politics, that's astonishing, because Republicans traditionally do much better in runoff elections rather than in general elections, especially if they're incumbents. And both of the Republican senators in Georgia were incumbent Republicans. And so to have what happened really matters in the context, then, if I can draw that link, of what we saw happen in the Capitol yesterday and even before the, the, the terrible events of the storming of the Capitol. Before that took place, if you were listening in that morning, we saw Republican senators and the Republican Party writ large, frankly, including Vice President Mike Pence, you know, really say and indicate that the president put himself before the party. Um, so it's in my sense, I think any neutral, you know, person would indicate this in American politics, that the Republican Senate loss of their majority was entirely avoidable for the Republicans. Um, so th that's just, I think, an important 
initial observation okay. that I would have for, for us today, yeah. and then certainly happy to provide additional well, well, let, let, let's, uh, let's, on the event. Let's come to the present moment, and of course, he, he's still president. He's, he's locked out of uh, Twi Twitter and Facebook, say uh, he, can't, he can't be allowed there, but he's still president. He still has the nuclear codes. I mean, do people fear what he might do in the next couple of weeks? In my, in my, from my perspective, I think we're seeing the beginning of the very end of Trumpism as we know it. So, you know, while what, ha what happens next in the coming days is uh, uncertain, you know, you know, there's a range of anything that can happen, you know, especially in American politics today. You know, I think I'll go back, Hugh. The last time I was on the program, you had a great, a great line where you said to me, you know, what, what is going to be President Trump's legacy, right? What, what, what is it going to be in the aftermath of the U.S. election? And I think, you know, for students and American children and children around the world who, you know, 50, 100 years from now on their digital textbooks, <laughs> look back uh, at this time, the one image that's going to stick out um, of what we've seen uh, for the president's legacy is going to be those guns pointed at the door uh, of, the, of the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. That, 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 unfortunately, is the legacy of the moment that we're in. And in some senses, to go directly to the heart of your question, which is, you know, what happens over the next of the 14 days, I have to tell you, I mean, aside from the, 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 the the, the poisonous nature of American politics today, I have not seen a greater sense of, frankly, of unity in the political ethosphere in Washington right now than at any point, at least than I can remember since September 11th in 2001. The, 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 the realigning uh, of the political process after what happened this week has been quite astonishing. Okay, uh, let's bring in uh, Chris Exline, uh, former chair of Republicans Abroad, who's in our Queensway studio. Good morning, Chris. Morning. How are you? Uh, very well, but I mean... <laughs> but, but before we start, I just, I, I really just want to apologize uh, and, and say I'm sorry to you and, and Hugh, because uh, your earlier comments about not being able to interview arrestees or potential arrestees means that should the opportunity to interview President Trump arise, you won't be able to take him up on that. I knew you were going to start with it, <laughs> right? Okay. But this is not a laughing matter. I, I, no, I suppose not, you say we not. have to keep well, things said, going no, with humour, right? But, can, uh, can, can, I mean, is it a laughing matter? Because uh, I've spoken to some Americans who take this very, very seriously. As do I. I've got to say, as a non-American, I, I don't quite understand that um, because you could argue that T to be honest, the this this storming was not violent. They didn't have guns. They weren't pointing guns at, at policemen. Well, they they them, didn't. They didn't they did, there was no graffiti. They looked. To be honest, they looked like a, bit, a bunch of idiots. Well, uh, it, it, you know it was, what I mean. They weren't. They, they, they weren't your conventional terrorists by no, any means. It, it, it was, so they it looked was a bit stupid. They looked. They, they posed for for, for selfies uh, and so on. So there was a sort of comical element to it. But but as I say, but then I speak to other people who do take this very much to heart. Uh, as, as do I. I was mm. I was sitting there in front of the television for hours yesterday, just uh, trying to get my head around what was going on. And and I, I did marvel that once they broached or breached the, uh, the, the the security and entered the rotunda, they they just walked around like tourists, um, and you know actually treated it with respect. But that does not remove the fact that it was an act of sedition, um, and the. The only reason I have some form of levity is because I think that, you know, these past four years of distraction, division, discord are about to end. And I, I agree with the, uh, the, the, the earlier caller. I mean, once it's wheels up, 
which means once air, that that 747 takes Trump to uh, uh, Florida, I think you'll see a realignment, um, a sense of unity within Washington that we haven't seen since September 11th. And I think you'll actually see things done. And I'm I'm excited and energized to be a member of the Republican Party again. I think you'll find a, a Republican Party that you know is able to get back to its roots and, and re- remember what it st- stood for and what it can stand for again. Does one day really make such a difference? Because it's, it's only a couple of weeks ago that everybody was saying that Donald Trump would still be the de facto leader of the Republican Party and that... Um, uh, 2024 was his for the taking, or he would anoint uh, whoever was going to be the 2024 candidate. But he he overplayed his hand. I mean, he I would have said that a week ago, two weeks ago. Two you would have said ago. that because a lot of other people would say something different, or did were saying something different. I'm not sure they still will today, but uh, as of earlier this week, they still would have been saying the opposite. Uh, this what happened yesterday was a a tectonic shift in the minds of all Americans, and I don't think that. He will always have a core base of supporters, but people will not look at this and say that they are proud to support President Trump because of his inciting this type of activity. How about people like Josh Hawley, Senators Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, who are very familiar to us in Hong Kong? They've both been here and they both supported the protesters, but they both also supported uh, Donald Trump even after uh, these events. And we were hearing reports that um, U.S. publishers are refusing to publish Josh Hawley's book. Are, are, are those kind of Republicans finished as well, or do they still have a future? Uh, they, they still have a future. I mean, Josh Hawley is a, a gifted politician, and the the fist pumping uh, in front of the crowds will come back to haunt him. And and. The, just the mere appearance of Ted Cruz is haunting on many levels to many people. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, they've got they've got two years, two and a half years to try and rebuild that image. Could, could there be a split? Could there be a Patriot no. Party, which no. is a Trumpist party? No, no. The, the, the money behind these two parties is so massive. The fundraising, the donor organizations are so disgustingly large uh, that it'll keep the Republican Party intact. In All right. R- Russ Feingold, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Do you agree with that? The point about the, a tectonic shift, uh, a fundamental, uh, the end of Trump, effectively? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't purport to speak on behalf of all Americans sure. and, and proclaim that tectonic shifts have yes. occurred, especially <laughs> since we're, we're speaking from overseas and not within the United States. Uh, but uh, after uh, the events of the past or the current few days, uh, are behind us. Uh, Biden is inaugurated. Uh, I'm not as optimistic of a return to uh, bipartisanship and comity because uh, ultimately the two parties will have very uh, firm uh, beliefs on, on a wide range of issues, uh, whether, and some of them are related to policies that the Trump administration or the Republicans in Congress have pursued in recent years. So whether that's things like immigration, or various kinds of other social policies, uh, environmental policies. Uh, there are still very, very large differences between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And uh, although we might see some unity in response to these events, once uh, the new administration is in place, there's a 50-50 split in the Senate with the tie-breaking vote by Vice President Harris. Uh, we're going to see the same kind of partisanship and, and great difficulty in passing legislation on any major issue. Yes, because um, everyone's talking about the Democrats now controlling the Senate, but they're on the, they're on the really wafer-thin margin, aren't they? 
Oh, they are, but I, I think you've and I think you'll see Joe Mnuchin of West Virginia being the big swing voter, and I think Mitt Romney will also be a big swing voter, and I think that there's going to be a necessity for uh, for people coming together to try to pass legislation. You've got to understand that there's a, a mood within America that wants to see Congress getting something done. I, I think that, and Ross would probably agree that America is just exhausted. I think Trump has just exhausted the entire American populace and people just want to see things get back to having some form of normalcy where people are doing the jobs that they're paid for. Ross, do you agree? Well, no, I wouldn't agree because uh, we see that uh, despite some of the aspects of President Trump's behavior, his policies, his tweets over the past four years, that he still energized an enormous number of voters. You know, nationally, it wasn't enough, uh, or it was less voters than than uh, Biden uh, was able to. There's still more, vote, more voters uh, than he got last time, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the key thing is, yeah, and in fact, uh, Trump's vote went up with certain minority groups, which surprised a lot of people, which is something the Democratic Party needs to do some reflection on. Uh, but I think the key point there is, again, whether it's in Congress or uh, you know the broader population voters, you know, firm beliefs, people uh, within their camps, uh, I, I don't think that's going to dissipate. And if people want Congress to do something, I, I think it's more along the lines of they want Congress to do something that uh, they support, but uh, not necessarily uh, with a view towards compromise with the other side. Okay, a couple of thoughts from, from listeners. Uh, TC says, uh, after the problems in this election, I think it's a good time for Americans to think about reforming election procedures. Instead of having 51 ways to hold an election, the federal government should have some standards in how states hold elections for federal offices. In my political science uh, 101 class at the University of British Columbia, I was taught that even the pencils used in Canadian federal elections uh, are the same. That's uh, from uh, TC. Uh, Anthony uh, says, it's a beautiful sight to behold. I commend the courage of the people at Capitol speaking out in light of America's actions in Washington. When Americans smashing the Capitol, they are called rioters and black-clad thugs, while Hong, Hong Kong people smashing the legislature we're hailed as protesters fighting for democracy and future of Hong Kong. When the Hong Kong police backed off, they were said to lure the protesters. Spot the difference. Oh, yes, the difference in language, Cantonese speaking and English speaking. That's from Anthony. We have a caller, caller Mike, uh, Mike who emailed us earlier and was on the show yesterday. Mike is back. Uh, welcome back to Backchat, Mike. I listened to Trump three times because once before, the, uh, before that uh, terrible violence, and then twice afterwards, can can your um, can your caller or your guest tell me at what time did he incite violence? Oh, Mike, uh, listen. Incite, now, Mike. Uh, hang on, Mike. Mike uh, you, you you asked a question. Let, let, let's try and get violence. an answer, then you can respond. Uh, let's Chris Eckstein. Hi, Mike. I, I appreciate your call and I appreciate your willingness to participate. But if you rationally believe that him inviting these people to the Capitol for any other purpose than than to try and disrupt the uh, the duty of, of Congress to uh, validate the electors, uh, there, there, that's not even rational. I'm sorry. Okay, Mike, you'd like to respond? I think that that is correct, but at no time did he ever incite violence, and that is the that is really our our duty and our privilege to have uh, 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 um, not violence, but to have demonstration. 
No, Mike. And it's the four people that died, the four other people that died five. during this, five other people that died, were old people that had heart attacks because they got excited. No, Mike, one was a police officer. One was a Capitol police officer that died. And one person died inside the Capitol, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, she was shot in the chest. Yes, okay. Yeah, I don't think that was a quite qualifies as a heart attack. There was, a, there was another that was very interesting, that a lot of these people were not arrested. Why was that? Mike, I think it just demonstrates the restraint and the maturity of the Capitol Police Force in not wanting to escalate the violence any further. You have the Commander-in-Chief of the United States of America asking people, encouraging people to come and storm the Capitol. And you have the audacity on radio to say that that is not inciting violence. Now, when I was a young person, uh, a child, my mother and father would go, mm -hmm. that, that was uh, an implication implying for me to stop some ridiculous behavior. Okay, uh, okay let's, let's give Mike the last word on this, and then we'll go back to our other guests. Mike, would you like to respond briefly? Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I disagree entirely. And if you go back and listen to his speech, you should uh, uh, you find a place where he incited violence. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for joining Backchat again. Uh, let's go back to uh, Andrew Blassie in um, in Washington. Um, Andrew Blassie, where do we go from here? Yeah. So, as your other guests had pointed out, you know, within less than two weeks, you know, President-elect Biden will become the president of the United States, and I think you'll begin to see uh, an immense shift politically, tectonically in the United States federal government, especially now with the Democratic Party controlling the United States Senate. I think they'll waste no time to advance their agenda and to turn the page uh, on what's just happened. The, uh, they'll need to demonstrate quickly the party's resolve to progress uh, from, from the state of affairs, not just in sort of the uh, body politique of the ethosphere that has emerged in the United States, but, you know, for listeners in Hong Kong, you know, and, and for everybody here on the program, we can't forget that the main thing that Americans care about right now is effective pandemic response and the health of the economy. That, that, that's, I mean, what happened, you know, today, is, this week, as, as Americans and everyone was returning from the holidays, really just adds insult to injury. What Americans really want to see is a, is a government that can uh, push us beyond where we are when it comes to COVID-19 and to make sure that the economy's strength is upheld. So, you know, Hugh, that's where we're going to go from here. And for listeners in Hong Kong and for people around the world that are wondering how this event um, you know, will will impact America's perception abroad or America's standing abroad. You know, I don't really only have two things to say to that. First, uh, President uh, Biden will be uh, reverting the United States back to a, a posture of multilateral engagement, extreme and heavy engagement and multilateralism. Um, you're going to see a, a lot of engagement by the United States in global affairs issues, and I think that will you know, that will go a long way in terms of some of the things we've been hearing and concern we've been hearing from, from other countries and, and other capitals. And then I would also just add one more point, Hugh, which to your question, which was, you know, where do we go from here? You know, for, for, for listeners who might be doubting the state of affairs in the United States today or, or the, the, the state of the nation, you know, I would never underestimate the United States' ability to bounce back from a crisis, even stronger than it was before. Mr. Blazing, I think... that many times. Yeah. Sure, sure. Can I, can I just ask about, about the kind of fundamental change? I mean, uh, 
uh, from here, it looks like there is massive mistrust of so many uh, institutions now uh, in Washington and and um, uh, in, in the government in general in, in in the United States. A lot of people believe that it's a swamp. Um, massive amounts of people believe it's a swamp. How do you turn people's minds around from that? How do you change that? Well, there's there, there's probably no easy way to do that, Hugh. I mean, you're right. There there is there is a lack of trust in institutions writ large, not just governmental, but we've seen over the past you know four years uh, distrust in institutions beyond the government, distrust of big business, distrust of um, you know sort of. Uh, civil society, distrust of the media. So, you know, one can only hope that through an an intentional focus on bipartisanship, cooperation, um, trying to forge middle ground approaches to solutions that will aid in an effort to create uh, greater trust within within society towards its institutions. Um, And, you know, for the Democratic Party's their own concern you know, they're going to want to establish some of that trust, perhaps through, through regulatory action. So if you want to look where the future, where the next couple of months and years, where the fault lines are going to emerge, if they're going to emerge around to what extent the Democratic Party pushes forward with controversial new regulations. Uh, Ross Feingold. Well, the takeaway seems to be, uh, certainly based on what Mr. Blasey said, that uh, we're going to see more of an imperial presidency, uh, which would be following the lines of uh, the Trump administration and the Obama administration. So in that sense, it's bipartisan, but unfortunately it is very partisan because I think it does indicate, as I said before, the enormous difficulty of doing anything on a bipartisan basis in Congress, which would result in, uh, again, the Biden administration taking a lot of action by executive order. Also, Biden's hardly in the same position as um, either Trump or, or Obama, who both had um, more substantial majorities in Congress. Uh, Biden has this t- tiny majority in Congress, doesn't he? Well, the, you know, the very interesting thing there is uh, how poorly the Democratic Party did in, in the elections in Congress. Uh, you know, they lost House seats. The, the Senate, they expected to do much better. You know, they, they expected to have a majority on, on November 3rd not as a result of uh, a, two runoff elections in January in the Senate. Uh, and keeping in mind the filibuster, that makes it very difficult. They'll still need 60 votes uh, to pass most kinds of legislation, with a few uh, exceptions. Uh, and on the state level, Republicans did very well. You know, it indicates, again, I, I think, uh, you know, my consistent view in this conversation is, is that partisanship remains, uh, and it is going to be an ongoing problem. Uh, Trump might slowly uh, uh, you know, become less prominent uh, over time in the political discourse in the United States, but uh, a lot of his views on policy issues, I'm not, you know, putting aside the personal styles issues, but on policy issues, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that partisanship continue. Uh, and Chris Exline? You know, I'm just so glad that Donald Trump is leaving. When he went to Mount Rushmore, he thought he would be the fifth one on there. It's a tryst with destiny that he will not keep. He's still waiting for an airport to be named after. He's very keen on that. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) maybe he can go to San Juan, Puerto Rico, where he uh, summarily dismissed the concerns of all those people suffering from Hurricane uh, Maria. Uh, It's just it's, it's great to see it go. Um, And I and Ross is a gifted attorney for me when when President Trump asked the Secretary of State of Georgia to find 11,600 votes. We had dinner last night with someone from Zimbabwe. Even in Zimbabwe, that's a crime. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Uh, uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, the comment from Guy in an email who says there's plenty of warning of planned mayhem in Washington and quotes a report from the British uh, Telegraph newspaper uh, saying that uh, even before a single protester reached the Capitol building, the police should have been rigorously monitoring social media. Um, thank you very much indeed to our guest, to Chris Exline, former chair of Republicans Abroad, to Ross Feingold, a business development director at SafePro Group, consultancy that advises clients on global travel security and former Asia chairman of Republicans Overseas, and Andrew Blasey, a director with Kroll and Mooring International, a leading global government affairs, public policy and public relations firm, where he advises business executives across Asia engaging with the United States government. Thank you all very much indeed. Just to finish off, a couple of comments from uh, Facebook. Uh, Ethan says, uh, irrespective of whether it's pandems or whichever political affiliation, if one so honestly and overtly claims what they call 35-plus plan and 10-step scorched earth scheme to paralyse the Hong Kong government, they will be deemed to fail and end up spending Chinese New Year and birthday behind bars. Um, and uh, Dejeres says uh, Ethan already enjoying a brighter life being detained not to mention convicted and spending birthdays in prison and Henry uh, on Facebook uh, hello Henry says uh, my impression is that Emily Lau still holds a very narrow view of Hong Kong I think many share her view too but the fact is Hong Kong has to integrate into the mainland one country Hong Kong future lies in in more integrated into Greater Bay Area in our country, for example. To continue to hold a hardline stand, CCP is totalitarian, not freedom, oppressive, etc., is not going to go anywhere and are destructive. Hong Kong is part of China. When you integrate, you have to find out each other, just like in marriage. The achievements of China, the livelihood of Chinese in mainland speaks loud and clear. Just ask why flocks of people flooded to Shenzhen. That's from Henry. Thank you very much indeed to uh, everybody who uh, joined in the uh, discussion this morning. Uh, Danny, thank you very much indeed. What a week. Uh, what a week. Let's hope next week is calmer. We will see. Uh, cold and mainly cloudy, very dry with sunny intervals during the day today. Maximum temperature up to uh, 12 degrees and then the outlook is going to become cold and uh, dry persisting in the next few days and uh, yes Danny, you got your wish. It's going to become fine <laughs> early next week. We've got a strong monsoon signal, we've got a cold weather warning and we've got a red fire danger warning at the moment just nine degrees and a relative humidity now of 58 percent the government provides public COVID 19 testing services through different channels those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centers for free testing the centres also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. 934, the news now with Samantha Butler. Despite being questioned by police over alleged national security violations, pollsters at the Public Opinion Research Institute have vowed to continue holding opinion polls and primary elections for various groups. A deputy at the Institute, Chung Kim Wah, said conducting polls was a basic right and they shouldn't let fear control them. President Trump has appealed for healing and reconciliation after his supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. In a video message, he pledged a smooth transition of power to President-elect Joe Biden now that Congress had certified the election results. And tests carried out in Brazil have found the Chinese Sinovac coronavirus vaccine to be 78% effective in 